This is Multinew Media. Cordy Ryerson is the Director of Mixed Reality Experiences at Microsoft. She has her fingers on the pulse of emerging augmented and virtual technologies through her involvement with HoloLens and 3D for Everyone, also as a part of the leadership team for first-party Microsoft Windows experiences. Cordy has over 20 years of industry experience at companies like Microsoft, Foundation 9 Entertainment, The Collective, and PDI DreamWorks. She's worked in software development, film, television, visual effects, animation, and more. Her professional expertise is at the intersection of creativity and technology, and she has professional interests in storytelling and design. Cordy's a member of the Full Sail University Hall of Fame, has been honored with a Congressional Recognition Award for dynamic digital visual effects in the film industry, and is a member of both the International Game Developers Association, where she was also a board member, and the National Center for Women and Information Technology. And if that weren't enough, she's now officially the only multi-new media guest to have an IMDb page, with 21 credits nonetheless. Ladies and gentlemen, Cordy Ryerson. Wow. Could you just hang out with me and for all my meetings, state that when we go into your room? <laughs> we'll get you some intro music every time you have a meeting, especially with any bosses yes. you have. Just we'll cue the intro music and I'll read the whole thing. Yeah, some theme music. Yeah, with that intro and be like, okay, now everything's set. Let's continue on. You'd be like a, a wrestler, <laughs> right? You'd have that type of uh, stage presence. So, I do. I feel like I need some silks. Hmm. <laughs> that is um, a, a very impressive background. But did I get everything right in there? Is there anything I left out or, or anything I should have added in? You know, I didn't I didn't feel anything was substantially missing. Like, I feel like you kind of you've clearly scrubbed my LinkedIn profile and my <laughs> bio and I do research, um, IMDb. Yes. So, yes, uh, I think I think you did a better job of capturing my past than I have. <laughs> well, you know what? It's it's all um, it's not if my students are listening, I say this a lot with intros. It's not plagiarism. It's a derivative work. So um, I, I, I did that. Um, now, beyond the professional introduction, is there anything, maybe one or two or I don't know, three things, just anything simple that you'd like people to know about you as a person and not as, you know, this professional as director of mixed reality before we get into the mixed reality topic? Hmm. Let's see. I have a 17-year-old daughter who plays ice hockey, who is the center of my universe. And, um, I am, you know, I'm going through one of those phases where like, I'm about to be an empty nester. So I know that's going to bring on a whole new phase of my life. (laughs) And, um, let's see, I, I, I love live experiences. And one of the, one of the things that I, where I've been able to start blending like my personal life and my professional life is that I love live events and I love music, um, and, and live experiences and then looking. And then I, I look at what I do every day in work and it's like, it's given me you know inspiration about how to combine those things moving forward in the future which is exciting to me so a music fan about to be an empty net i have a question for you on the empty nester topic mm-hmm. are you going to there there are several tracks that you can take here are you going to leave her room precisely intact for her to come back or is this going to be your new hobby room Whew. um <laughs> put a bunch it, of computers it, it, in there and <laughs> It was definitely, um, 
I'm going to call it a blend of that, you know, when uh, over the summer we definitely tackled stuff. Like I had her go through her room and I'm like, hey, you know, um, right now it's already it's, it's becoming this museum of, of Zoe and you know, there's probably things in here that you don't, um, you know, that you really don't need to hold on to, or maybe there's things you want to hold on to, but you don't need to see all the time. So can we think about boxing things up that you consider keepsakes and then, you know, maybe, you know, getting rid of the paper mache planet <laughs> that you made in the fifth grade would be a good oh, idea. But that's a, that's a prized possession right there. <laughs> it has been. And, you know, she keeps it funny, oddly enough, is because it was a complete failure. Oh. It's like torn in all these places. And she's like, oh, this is a reminder, you know, like you have to keep trying. You have to keep perfecting your stuff. That one needs to go in one of those um, little uh, glass boxes. You know, oh, that you just yes. proudly display. So whenever she gets her own place <laughs> after college, she can proudly display it on the I coffee can put table. The, the torn paper mache planet yeah. into a box. This is the time I failed and learned from it. Uh, yes. So, um, so it's probably going to be a mix. Okay. A mix of the two. Well, it helps us know a little bit more about you as we start moving into the, you know, into today's topic. Because today's topic, if I'm um, conveying the sentiments of a lot of business people, is a real head scratcher. It's a, it's a mind boggler. And so I think mm -hmm. we have to start here. You're the director of mixed reality. What is mixed reality? So the way that we defined mixed reality is, is the blending, right? It's the blending of the physical into the digital and uh, the digital into the physical. And this enables um, you to take your two worlds that you're already interacting with today. We as humans, you know, we're physical three-dimensional beings. We interact with things in the physical world. And all of our digital stuff to date has been limited to flat screens. And so when we can start blending, um, bringing things out of the screen and having digital objects act and behave as a physical object in your physical world, we open up new possibilities for how people can communicate more effectively, collaborate, and make decisions more quickly, frankly, when they're trying to do something for whether it be for work or home or just a creative project that they're doing. It's a new type of input and output. And the future is heading to a place where technology is definitely like, you know, it's just fundamentally smarter and more human. So as we get to a place where things are more capable of perceiving and understanding and this digital content can appear like a physical object would, um, this is just a way for humans to interact with it in a more natural and intuitive way. Now, when we when we do that, when we remove the need for just the flat screen, does the screen remain? Do we augment that, augment that with a headset? Does the headset become primary? I, I, I think one of the biggest questions for business people is, you know, am I going to be sitting with a VR headset um, staring at the wall and um, kind of that old, you know, the old joke we make about like you're just sitting there isolated, mm -hmm. blocked out from the world. Is that the vision or are we in a brand new territory? No. Yeah, we are in a brand new territory. And that is one of the reasons that we call it mixed reality. So um, if you think of mixed reality like a spectrum, right? So 
on one side, we have all the the physical right and the attributes of our physical world. And then you start climbing that ladder and then you see things, experiences populating today, like Snapchat filters where they have AR experiences that you can do. And then you take that ladder all the way to the other side and you have your fully immersive world, right? Where you can go to completely different worlds and immerse yourself in something that is separated essentially from your physical reality. And and we're looking at everything in between as kind of mixed reality. And I get a lot of questions around like, hey, you know, where should we invest our money? You know, we want to update our business. What kind of talent should we look for? And do we make our investment in AR? Do we make it in VR? And what is this MR stuff you keep talking about? <laughs> and really, people should think of these as a tool set. When you go to complete a task or to start a project, you know, do you need a hammer? Do you need a screwdriver or do you need a drill? And that's what these are. All of these things, AR, MR, VR, they're all tool sets that are going to enable different and various types of um, productivity. And it allows people to be creative with their productivity and they need to pick the right tool set for what they're trying to achieve. What we're saying at Microsoft is, hey, we're going to provide a kit, if you will. So it's not that you have to choose. You don't have to select and buy one of those tools. We're going to give you a box with all the different tools in it that you can go and use. Oh, that's that's good. So mixed reality isn't some separate type of headset or separate type of thing. It's It's the platform that powers all of the experiences. That's right. So you can have a mixed reality experience with a 2D screen today. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that you can get, you know, in Windows 10, where we have something that we call view mixed reality, where you can take a 3D object and drop it into your physical world and capture that. And all you really need there is an RGB camera, like a webcam. And, and so then it goes all the way through. And that's already built into Windows 10? Yes, and and what software would I use if I'm a if I'm a small business and I think you know I could really use this maybe for marketing purposes or for content creation or for training? What are the software tools that are in Windows 10 that I should be looking? Where where should I be hitting on my start screen? So as long as you have Windows 10 you will be able to get these updates. And if you become a Windows Insider, uh, you're able to get all the latest and greatest drops as early as possible. So right now we have a couple of different areas on that spectrum of mixed reality. So one of the programs we started with was Paint. Paint is a you know super popular creative application that's been part of Windows forever. Mm -hmm. And so we took Paint and we made it 3D. So now there is Paint 3D that enable people to create various forms of 3D objects without having to be a master of something like Maya. Mm -hmm. And then um, you can take these and using Paint 3D, we have a um, site called Remix3D.com where lots of different creators are um, putting all of their work and then we're enabling them to bring kind of like 3D to the masses, if you will. So... We'll have a community, we have a community being established that has a bunch of different 3D. So even if you're not comfortable creating your own 3D, you can pull from that and augment it. And then we have our view mix reality, which you can look for. Um, and that is, that just enables you to take anything from that community or something that you've created yourself, or even something you've pulled in off the web 
and drop that into your real world. And if you are using a Windows 10 device with ink enabled, you also have inking capabilities. So, right, if you need to leave annotations or notes or something, you know, you're trying to point out something that you need a designer to fix, it's very easy to put that all in one form and then send that off. Um, and in addition to that, we've enabled 3D into PowerPoint. So a lot of people, you know, they tell their stories and create their presentations using something like PowerPoint today. And now we've enabled 3D in PowerPoint. So imagine, um, you know, you're putting a bunch of slides together and you have this, you need to craft a 3D object and uh, you want to show different areas of it. You don't have to um, do that via something like photogrammetry. You can simply pluck in the 3D object and pivot that to all the different places that you want it to highlight to tell your story. And that would be one of those 3D objects that you could make in Paint 3D or that you could get off of the Remix website? That's right. Oh, that'd be and there are. Yeah, and they're already adopting, you know, a lot of that inside of PowerPoint today. So when you, uh, if you launched PowerPoint as part of Windows 10, you would see that and uh, it would have a ton of 3D objects that you could go ahead and pull in and pivot on. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I recommend. Try it. <laughs> it sounds like it. And it, it, you kind of preempted one of my next questions of, uh, oh, okay, so that's, you know, I was going to go into this area. That's really useful and it helps me find where it's at. But I, um, what are businesses using this for? And I think the PowerPoint example is um, first and foremost, I think where most business people start with something is, you know, we want to come up with an idea. We make a PowerPoint for it. We want to uh, see if something has feasibility. We run through a PowerPoint presentation. So now if we're looking at how do we explore the 3D world, PowerPoint is a is a perfect place for business people to say, all right, I'm just going to drop a 3D object in and see what I can do with it. That's right. Yeah. So I a very good insight there. I think I, I, I don't know if that was as intuitive for me. I was just in PowerPoint yesterday and I don't know if I saw that tooling and I try to keep up to date. So I'm going to have to go look for it. And uh, my over analytical mind wants to ask, OK, what tab is on is that on? But I'll find it probably an insert, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is here. But, you know what? I'm going to just open it right now. But I don't have to, you know, go do a, a download like I do with uh, Office Mix or something like that. Right. I can just it's right into PowerPoint. It is. Yes, right. it is. Because I'll, I will admit, I did. I booted up Paint 3D. Uh, you and I were introduced by a, a colleague of mine at Full Sail University. And um, after we spoke, I booted up Paint 3D and mm -hmm. I, I did the standard trying to make a table. And yes, you're absolutely right. It's a lot easier than um, the, you know, I guess what you would consider the competing software. I know you're not, you know, directly competing with them, but the the more difficult tools but there was a paradigm change involved and I had to really get used to working with that Z axis, which as a 2D uh, interface type person, I'm, I'm not. So it, it, it can have its challenges, but it is rather intuitive and fairly simple. You know, it um, it is, you know, and I think that's a challenge for any kind of, I'll just say a layman uh, person who's not a professional artist, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, Z axis is hard to understand. It's even hard for 3D people when, when you know, you're teaching 3D math and you're trying to explain vectors. When you're able to actually do that in 3D space, it just becomes so much more intuitive, right? It's how we work naturally in the world. So... Yeah, getting the getting the snap on the Z axis is fun, and I don't know if you got a chance, but there's actually something within Paint 3D. It's called the Doodle Tool, and it's my favorite one. I haven't. And that is chance. where, 
Okay, so this is where you just take your pen and you ink something, you know, say you're drawing a cloud or a heart. And the minute you snap those, the minute your ink touches your starting point, it becomes a 3D object. It oh. snaps into a 3D object, which is, to me, one of the most magical creations, you know, because when you tell anybody that they can create 3D there's usually that's usually come about with some skepticism, right? Unless you are a professional artist of some sort. So being able to take a pen and draw a cloud and have that cloud become three dimensional without any further work from me was the most delightful part for me. I, I think that's something I'm definitely going to have to try. I'm going to have to pull the um, the surface out and, and give it a try with a pen because I, I have to admit I was struggling to make a table. But again, I know that's the tooling was fairly easy and intuitive. It's just something I was having trouble wrapping my head around. Yeah, you know, you get into Z-axis and you're like, man, I thought I put that leg where it was supposed to be, but now I'm in Z-axis and it looks like it's actually in the middle. Right, right. So, I, I mean... So, we- I just... I did just pull up PowerPoint and I wanted to share with you. So I pulled up PowerPoint and, you know, one of the standard tabs across PowerPoint is insert, right? So Mm -hmm. when you get ready to insert and right there along the top, you know, you have your shapes and your icons. The very next thing you see is 3D models. So I can just go to my 3D model area and hit drop down and I can pull a 3D uh, 3D file from my own creation. Maybe I did that in um, Paint. And 3D, or I can go to my online resources and pull down any kind of 3D model and just drop that in my PowerPoint. I think I'm going to have to update my PowerPoint. I have shapes and icons and all of those, but not 3D yet. So I'm going to have to. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, do an update. It is time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought I kept. <laughs> I know. I. I finally. Uh, I keep things updated because I can. I do um, some training in Microsoft Office tools, and I. I finally got around to turning autosave on in PowerPoint. That was a big one for me. But, it's uh, <laughs> huge, and then it tells you you can pick up where you left off and what happened. Yeah. So when we start using these MR tools, uh, AR, VR, all of it. When we start using these, where are we going to primarily use them, or is it everywhere? I mean, are we going to use these at home, at the office, in the car? Is is there a primary location, or are we location agnostic? Well, I think it's 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 mobility, right? So it is location agnostic. Um, and when we think about all the different ways that you can use it, you know, one of the things that we think about uh, a lot with with mixed reality is the future, right? And how is the future of our world changing, and what are the important elements to that? And you know, we believe that 3D and human-computer interaction are both critical bridges into into that world. And then we also know, um, because the Department of Education has told us so, that by, you know, the year 2020, um, there will be over 65 jobs on the market that do not exist today. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be around creative problem solving and creative learning. And that's across everything from engineering, arts, and sciences. Um, so we really see creativity shifting as the new productivity. And those are going to be the jobs of the future. So the way that we work today will not be the way that we work in a year from now or even three years from now. And so by enabling mixed reality, so you're not, you do not have to sit at a desk. You know, we also see a lot of distributed development now, right? People are working globally and, 
you may have, you know, two people in Asia and three people in Europe and two people in America, wherever. And to have that distributed development, mixed reality enables all those people to really come together and collaborate um, to create a problem solve and move something forward, whether that be for business or personal uh, project or community project. Um, so it is changing and shaping uh, the way that people will work, but it's enabling them uh, a freedom that hasn't existed before with, you know, tethered bound boxes or desktop yeah. only solutions. And, you know, when you talk about that freedom, you use the word mobility, which in the business community with Microsoft is a contentious word right now. Um, and I, I have to admit, I just left Windows 10 Mobile a month ago and my heart is still screaming at me. I, I, I you know, I'm not. I like Android, but, you know, my, my heart was with Windows and, and, and all of that. So from the business perspective, though, when we look at Microsoft being in the car space and then leaving the car space and then all of the competitors coming in and taking it over and Microsoft being in the phone space and kind of dipping for a while and everybody coming in and taking it over, is this an area where Microsoft's platform for MR could enable things like head-up displays and automobiles and... Um, mobile technologies and desktop technologies and brand new form factors? And if so, I mean, how do you stay competitive all across all of those fields when, you know, even Microsoft, one of the most valuable tech companies on the planet, one of the most valuable companies, period, on the planet, has really had to retrench from a couple of these fields in in the past. So I guess I'm asking how widespread can this platform really be um, given some of the realities in the, the tech space right now? So for us, we're excited, right, that we see other companies experiencing and dabbling in this area. The more people working on uh, mixed reality, whether they're calling it that or they're calling it something else, anything that lives on that spectrum we talked about earlier – having more big companies like your Apples and your Googles and whomever participating in that space is good for everyone, right? It's good for the world because we're going to push each other and we're going to push innovation and it's going to offer this new variety of tools um, that enable everybody to do more. You know, if we can enable people to and organizations to do more on the planet, achieve more, um, then we've reached our goal um, being, you know, whatever that may be, device agnostic, essentially. Right. Um, and we're going to put, you know, our efforts into creating a platform that where people do want to build and develop for that offer a lot of these different um, capabilities and varieties to customers. You know, I'm I'm not a journalist, and this may sound like a little bit of a journalist question, but I'm I'm, I'm trying to pick up on something there, and um, not trying to go for any gotchas. But you know, as Apple and Google is moving back in, I don't necessarily see, nor do most businesses see them wanting to have an open, um, egalitarian platform like Microsoft is advocating for, uh, or at least what what we see. I I, I guess I'm wondering. Do you really see that the, these some of these competitors as being beneficial to the marketplace when their clear goal and what they're signaling is they're saying they don't necessarily want to work together for, you know, some better future on MR and AR and VR that they want that for their ecosystem? I mean, is is the old the old non-cooperative business model um, slowing things down in this field or still speeding it up? Or I guess I'm a little bit lost because some of tech is still in this old you know, we'll fight to the death type model. 
And some companies seem to be in the new collaborative model. And I'm not sure how that plays out for an emerging technology now. This will be the first time we've ever really seen an emerging technology come out in this mixed space of partly collaborative, partly protectionist. Yes. Um, Well, my hope is that we continue towards a uh, collaborative space. Um, but that's just my personal hope um, because I think it just brings more to the world. Um, the better, you know, the more we can be collaborative. And you could say that about many things across our world at this moment. Right. But, um, you know, I, again, you know how I talked about the tool set of what you could use um, when I was talking about the mixed reality spectrum. You know, I think for um, people and 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 businesses, uh, again, they have to pick the right tool when it comes to um, companies and what services they can offer. And one of the things that, you know, I personally like about working at Microsoft is that we have, we have an amazing stack that goes with the rest of mixed reality, you know, so it's not just mixed reality that we're offering, but it's, it's, uh, you know, the advancements that we're making in, you know, the intelligent cloud and machine learning and Azure. And there's a whole stack that enables and facilitates businesses to understand, you know, uh, their performance, how they're doing, whether that be from a uh, business analytics perspective or a, uh, you know, a productivity perspective or even just out in the field like field workers. You know, how are we enabling field workers to connect more closely to, you know, experts that they need to reach and make decisions more quickly. So the businesses that we work with today, you know, they're not, they're not just working with us because it's a, it's a, it's a cool new um, technology. They're, they're working with us because it's, it's, it's creating a fundamental change in their, in their business model. And it's either enabling them to increase revenue or it's saving them time and money or it's just enabling them to do something that was previously not possible with their previous business setup. And that is super exciting to me. So in no way, form or fashion is this all about gaming, right? No. This this is about changing the value proposition for businesses uh, just as much as it's about gaming. For sure. For sure. This is not a a gaming exclusive play at all. But does it, I mean, does it signal anything to us? Should it signal anything to the business side that, uh, you know, director of mixed reality experiences uh, that you have a, a... a gaming and a television and a film background and visual effects. Um, does that speak to it or, or is this just something you've, you've, you know, through your career, you say, Hey, this is a great thing. You gravitated towards it. They saw an opportunity with you or is there more to it? Is, is, you know, are you there for the gaming or, or for these other aspects? I am, I am, you know, I think with everybody they have, uh, I get this question a lot as far as, you know, we get into um, one of the most common questions I get is, you know, what do you think about work-life balance? And I actually (laughs) hate that. I I actually hate that question because I I don't see it as that. I think it's a, I think it's a leftover from a period long gone, which is, it's really just life balance, right? Because a lot of people who are entering careers today 
or going through different phases of career development, they their goals change, right? Mm-hmm. And the things that are important to them change. And, you know, for me right now, the things that are important to me are, you know, helping people solve tough problems, you know, talking to customers and helping them solve something that they weren't sure how they were going to solve or not sure that they could solve. And in general, just trying to make the world a better place. You know, these are these are yeah. my goals now. But all of my history um, has enabled me to dive into this um, because of, uh, you know, being on that cutting edge of technology. And then all of it comes with a story, right? If we think about all those things we do, like you talked about the presentations, you know, for the business person, everybody has a story to tell, whether they are um, doing it through a game or doing it through a film or doing it so they get funding for something or doing it so people understand what it is they're talking about and engage in an open dialogue and discussion like like education. Mm-hmm. Um, and the better we get at telling these stories and the better we're able to show these stories and make them come to life through mixed reality, um, it just creates a much more collaborative and communicative world. You know, I, I love that that's your focus with storytelling and the, the collaboration, because I'll tell you a little bit of a, uh, and I won't go listing, you know, entities or, or places or even labs, but I'll tell you a little bit of an embarrassing reality about my research into AR and VR is I've been interfacing with a lot of different people and asking, you know, what is this thing about? What's the future of it? And I'm going to ask you that question, of course, in a few moments. But, you know, the number of labs, and I haven't sat down with you in a lab because we're on opposite side, sides of the country. Um, <laughs> we did have a chance to meet in Orlando a couple weeks back, but and, and thank you for coming out here. But, you know, the number of labs I've sat in and what I see are all these people, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to diminish them, but these wonderfully brilliant people building platforms and building hardware and they have entire labs of equipment around them. And every time I go in and I ask, okay, what is this thing about? You know, not once has anyone said, oh, you're an educator, you're a consultant, you're a, you're a corporate trainer. Why don't you put this thing on and, and look into this world or tell me what you think you would do with it. I ended up after going to several different labs and no one even letting me touch the equipment, went and bought a Google cardboard just to get a taste of what AR, VR, and I had used an Oculus Rift before at a museum and all these things. And I think that it's so important that anyone working in this field, and I applaud you for doing this, you have to keep the story at the central part of it because I've walked into lab after lab after lab after and talked to developer after developer who's all been about vector calculations and look at this <laughs> hardware. And, you know, I have to, you know, I sit there and I listen to these people sometimes for an hour and it's like, that's not why I'm here at all. I want to know what can I do with this for education? How can I tell a story with this? How can I reach a consumer with this? And I'll follow up with a couple questions for you on that consumer part in a little bit. But I just want to take a moment and applaud you for for keeping perspective that this field it will never pick up if it's just about the hardware and just about, you know, vector calculations. Oh, no, those are just... Those are just, you know, chapters. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I do have questions related to that. That wasn't just for me to rant, although I do love ranting. Um, <laughs> speaking of the hardware, when do we get some hardware? It seems like the unicorn out there. I know that there are developer editions for almost every single thing available through the Microsoft Store. 
and you know HP and Acer just jumped on on this, but they're all developer editions. When are we looking at potentially some consumer? I mean, I've heard of of uh, I forget which company. There's somebody talking about the visor is what they're calling it. Are, are we starting to get some consumer devices that biz because a lot of businesses don't buy development equipment anymore. They go buy off the shelf consumer stuff. Is that coming or is it already here and we just don't know about it? So it is coming, you know, there, uh, I think, you know, we've made uh, a couple of announcements where we've talked about the the lineup of devices that will be released for, you know, this holiday. Um, and those devices will be consumer facing devices, meaning that anybody can buy one, they can understand the compatibility that they need to um, have a, a mixed reality experience. And while the devices themselves are immersive, they do have spatial awareness and room understanding. Um, and this is a unique pivot on something where you don't have room understanding, right? Like you are able to move around because you understand where your walls are and you're not going to bump into them, even though maybe you can't see them. All of this will be, you know, all of this will be hitting the market for this holiday. Um, And, you know, I would say even while we call um, specifically Microsoft HoloLens a uh, development kit, um, this development kit is in commercial deployment right now. There are many companies, you know, like uh, JPL and Trimble and Case Western University and Volvo that are using um, this as some portion of their business to you know, do those things that we talked about, whether it be increasing a revenue stream or opening up a new way to educate um, around anatomy or whether it's, you know, helping program the Mars rover on Mars. That one gets me. I love space exploration. I love the whole concept of futurism and, and the fact that these businesses and uh, government agencies are using this technology is, is wonderful. And what they're using, if I'm if I'm understanding correctly, it's still the same you know, version one HoloLens that was announced in, in January 2015 and released later in 2016, right? There's, I mean, is, I've heard some chatter about this device being updated. Is it going mm-hmm. to be updated? Are we going to look at a V2 sometime or a consumer release or a general business release or, or was this kind of, uh, was HoloLens sort of a one-time let's kick off the industry type of? Oh, no, we, you know, We definitely have a roadmap. You know, I'm not at liberty to share that roadmap with you, Mm -hmm. um, but we do have a roadmap and we are dedicated to the future of mixed reality. Okay. So, I mean, we'll take that for what it's worth because, again, you know, it's difficult that we, you know, when when businesses try to get information from journalistic pursuits, we sometimes Mm -hmm. fail because they want that gotcha question. They want to know a release date. They want to know what they can get for the clickbait, right? And over in business, sometimes our concern is, where am I going to spend my dollars? You know, and so mm-hmm. we lo- like to know what's what's announced. We don't like to follow the rumor mill as much, even though sometimes we may have to look into it to figure out, you know, next year's budget or this, that or the other. And so it's it's good to hear that, that you know, there's t- that type of commitment, whatever that means, whether it's another HoloLens, whether that's a different device, whether that's, you know, OEM partners, which I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that's what we're seeing a lot of right now, right? OEM partners stepping that, up. And- that is correct. We have a lot of OEM partners and... Um, All of that is due out this holiday, which we're super excited about. And, you know, if anybody does want to learn more about this, we do have, you know, our uh, we have a website, which is www.hollands.com. And there 
those sites can take you through everything, including one of the latest things we launched, which was a, um, a commercial partner program. So it gives all the details on what it means to be a commercial partner, um, who to contact, how to get involved. So oh, we're great. trying yeah, to give... publish all of those resources out so people can, you know, go and do their independent investigation and not just um, – rely on what they're reading for clickbait, but, um, do the, you know, do the reading themselves and and make the decision about, you know, where they want to explore further. So give us that site one more time. Uh, one of the site, let's see here, I'm just going to pull it up. So I make sure I do. Yeah, sure. Because for anybody who may be in purchasing (laughs) or is in IT exploration, if you're an IT evaluation, uh, I know we have, uh, uh, quite a few listeners in those fields, purchasing IT evaluation, IT deployment, if if you're looking and you're saying I'm tired of of getting you know a bunch of rumors that mean nothing and I'm tired of getting nothing but video game applications if you're not in the video game space which if you are great keep going for that um, but this may be a resource for you then right so the first site we have is www um, dot hololens.com and that takes you to our Microsoft HoloLens landing page um, where you can find out you know like you know why why HoloLens what do we think about it it goes through all the device specs it talks about all the apps currently available who are the developers developing for it what does a commercial channel look like and who are the commercial people and then partners partners who are developers out in the ecosystem that if you are a company and you're going man I I want to get involved, but I don't know where to start. And I don't even know who to hire to build something like this. Um, we also collect an ecosystem of partners that are capable of building out these experiences. And and they're hungry to partner with people who also want to build, but don't know how to build or maybe don't have the right resources. So we're connecting that community together. Good. Wonder- and are some of those partners open to B2B calls for businesses that say, look, we know this is something we want to move into. We just don't understand what that would mean for us. Do you have that type of um, that type of partner listed as well? Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure. So what is the future? Because I, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a couple questions in just a moment, if that's OK, to, to kind of be able to end on a light note. But before we get to those, because I, I really have two things planned for that, and they're both about sci fi. Do you like sci fi? Yes, I do. (laughs) I'm going to keep it rather limited. But before we get there, I really want to give you an opportunity here. What what's next with MR? What are your thoughts? What is anywhere your mind takes you? Anything you'd love to say about it or, or why people should pay attention to it? Any of these areas, all of these areas, none of these areas and just go on a complete tangent. What's what's coming next and where are we? Well, I think, you know, part of what's coming next is just where. Um, computing technology is headed, right? So, um, and we're seeing this now. So with the evolution of technology, you saw, you know, times, uh, most of those have been centered around the inputs and the outputs. So anything from, you know, punch cards to touch-enabled devices to mobile devices. And now here we are with just, you know, audio-only devices. If you look at things like Alexa and things like that in the home, where it's just, you know, voice and understanding. And so we're headed to a place where, you know, technology is going to continue to get smarter and it's going to be more capable of perceiving us and understanding us. And we will transition from a world where we as humans are having to learn how to interact with 
machines and that machines are more capable of learning how to interact with us. And that makes it more intuitive for us to get our work done or to be creative or to play in the space of creativity and productivity in this new technology paradigm. And we're about to see that big shift, right? As we head into a world of mixed reality where we're bringing the digital and the physical of people and places and things together. Wonderful. And I know this will sound like one of my sci-fi questions, but it's not quite yet. Based on what you're saying there, do you do you think it's possible that we may be able to move towards not not a complete I know everybody's tech solution is going to be different and every business has a different need. But for the average person, is it possible that we could potentially see a true screenless computing environment where we don't sit down in front of a rectangle on our desk? And that, you know, we take our little comm badges and interact with walls and windows and mirrors and to where we could have a true screenless uh, experience. Is that something that's even on the radar? I believe that is absolutely um, part of our part of the future. Oh, see, you, you, I, I have tingles now. I love futurism. That's that's my <laughs> you know, one of my secret reasons for doing a business tech podcast is because of my love of futurism. So thank you for indulging that and, and, and encouraging me there. Um, screenless is well, something you know, I'm adamant about. Well, I got super excited the other day, you know, because I had looked at uh, one of the labs at Full Sail and one of the things that they were doing, which was, you know, they're also super excited about the future and, you know, Iron Man, Iron Man, great example, right? Mm-hmm. All yeah. the cut, all the cutscenes with Tony Stark, you know, doing his thing and interacting with stuff with that are basically screenless interactions. And who doesn't want Jarvis around? Exactly. And so there they did, you know, they created the Iron Man helmet and they put a HoloLens in it and they had HoloLens interacting with the helmet and they created Jarvis and, you know, their culminating impact was they were able to order a pizza. And I just, you know, it reminds you of like, here's all this amazing, you know, intricate, delicate work that is going on from fabrication and design to, um, you know, circuit board um, creation and installation to using HoloLens and, you know, using the SDK to program it to work with the helmet. And that's like all like super awesome, deep work. And then we're reminded of their usefulness because their big goal was to be able to order a pizza through Jarvis. And I just, I just loved it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. And no, not at all. And when you and I spoke um, a couple of weeks ago in Orlando, we had gotten into some side topics and you were mentioning video production that you do um, or have done at Microsoft of kind of um, some of the internal videos that you work with. And it made me go at later that day or later that week, I went and pulled up some of the, do you remember the future vision video series that Microsoft has done for probably two decades in like where hmm. maybe the office team or the windows team will get together and they, they produce this video and release it of this is what computing looks like in the future. Right. right? Yes. I was looking at one, uh, after our conversation from about 1990, I have no idea what late 1990s. And it was just shocking that sure, nothing looked the way. They predicted, but just like almost any other technological prediction, and I, we can give some all the way back to the you know great ones that the Ford Motor Company did in the 1960s. Most of the technology, though, did pan out to some degree. You know, talking about Skype calls, and here we are on Skype for business, and and you know having there was a one video where a teenager kept talking to her PC and calling it PC, and I'm like. Her name's Cortana. <laughs> like, you know, it kept driving me nuts. Like, it's here, it's here. It just doesn't look like that. Um, so I, I definitely, you and I, I think, share a, um, a passion for the the future 
of things and the the storytelling of things and how it all comes together. And it's important, you know, like being able to do that, imagining, you know, imagining and creating some kind of vision. And without those visions, we don't make progress along those roads where we see some of those pieces come to life. And of course, not everything comes to life in in the time frame or or in the way that we think it should. But it's those those learnings along the way that enable us to bring um, components of it, you know, to to the modern world as we know it today. Do you have time for two more quick questions? These are pretty pretty quick and succinct, and I would, I'd like to get your take on them. These are my sci-fi questions if you have a moment for them. Okay, go for it. All right. So one is – the first one's a little more practical. It's, it's about Star Wars. So Lenovo recently announced their Mirage AR headset. And uh, instead of coming out and saying, well, we're Lenovo and here's our here's our AR headset and here's what it's going to be priced and everything, what they did is they partnered with Disney. And this entire headset, its sole purpose – is to play one Star Wars game. I don't even know what it's called. It's, you have the little lightsaber thing. You have a little motion detector. Almost looks like Sony's take on um, when Sony was trying to uh, get in with when Microsoft did Connect and Nintendo did the Wii. Um, their little, whatever they called it, I think it was Play or something like that. It kind of looks like that, a floor sensor. And I almost wonder your take from... from um, your perspective in the industry of how do you view this with Lenovo partnering specifically with Disney? Does it signal to other businesses that Lenovo has some of the technology, but they're not quite sure that it'll work? I mean, that's what it signals to me. In my in the back of my business mind, it says Lenovo's not sure this can fly, and they want it tied to Star Wars uh, in order to make sure that it's uh, at least not a market failure. Does that send a similar uh, idea to the rest of the industry? Or is it just me as an observer? You know, um, I can't I can't speak to what Lenovo thinks or, or have any ideas about how they might be um, pushing pushing their technology forward. But what I can say is, um, it would make sense to partner with something like that, like a Star Wars, right? If you think about how technology is adopted, especially by the masses. People usually choose a form of entertainment because everybody right. loves to be entertained. And so it's a great way to understand like um, just exposing people to a new technology um, via, you know, the vehicle of entertainment is a good way to understand how uh, acceptable or delightful something is. Now, all of that was really, guys, just to ask you if you're excited about playing uh playing a game with a lightsaber in, in augmented reality. And if that's something uh, that you would do. Who wouldn't? That would be amazing. <laughs> so, okay, one more question. This is my last one. This is what I'll end on, and, and I want to be respectful of your time. So this one's going to be super brief. Now, Star Wars is great, but there's a franchise I love more than any other sci-fi franchise, and that's Star Trek. Oh, my goodness. You're going to say it. Oh, you did. I you, love Star Trek. You did the Star Trek, Star Wars thing. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I, okay. I mean, we Let's could go, go Battlestar. We could go <laughs> – we could even go Sequest. I love Sequest, too. But Star Trek is my favorite, and I don't know if you agree or disagree. I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. And you can let me know in this answer, but here's my question to you. Cordy, how close are we to a holodeck? <laughs> well, I would say – um, that in the tech industry, we're already there. Um, now, is that ubiquitous across uh, the masses? No. But, you know, we can capture people today and turn them into holograms. 
and I don't know how closely you followed the work that we have done with Microsoft HoloLens, but we have a program or we have a first party experience here that we call ActionGram. And ActionGram does exactly that. They take people and things and they capture them uh, with 360 degree video and over a hundred cameras that are completely synced and they turn people and things and um, sometimes places into complete holograms. And so we did, we had um, a lot of fun. We've had George Takei here and he did a bunch of work with us. So we were, you know, talking about the Star Trek. There you go. We had George <laughs> in and we turned him into a hologram and uh, had a lot of fun with that. And we published that through some of our YouTube channels. So if you haven't looked at that, take a look. And um, yes, yes, we would love to, we would love to see that be part of the future. I, I will look at that and there's only one missing piece. And this is my action call to everyone listening. We need real physicists. We need real businesses because as much as we can get an answer that, yes, the holodeck exists, we need something. We need a practical application of taking the Higgs boson and adding it to light to give light the thing we're seeing these holograms as to give them the appearance of having mass and having matter so that you can go shake George Takei's hand, right? Instead of just seeing him, that you can feel the light beam there, that you can see it. And that is one piece of science that I hope that we will solve in the next hundred years. And when that happens, we won't just have holodecks. We will have all sorts of amazing technologies. I mean, think what would happen with, with 3D printing and molecular manufacturing if we could have that. Cordy, if, that, oh, if, if we got that. I love that. If we got that, is that a place you'd, you'd move into and be willing to work with that field? I would. I would love to be sitting at the epicenter of that. Wouldn't Absolutely. that be wonderful? Cordy, yes. thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate your time and your insight is, as always, wonderful. Thanks for your time as well. That's all for now, folks. Hurricane Irma did a number on Central Florida, but luckily we barely, and I mean barely, avoided a worst-case scenario for the Tampa Bay area. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Anchor. Email us at feedback at multinewmedia.com and give us five stars on iTunes. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.